Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, Karina is interviewing an amazing couple that represents heaven and earth probably better than any other couple I could imagine. Because John is one of the greatest talkers of this generation of ours, of humanity. He, if you kind of stick a quarter at him, he'll just go off and he'll just take you to a very amazing place. But his wife, Dr. Sandra, she is very grounded, very professional, very austere, very regal. And wonderful and together they form this super couple and Karina is unraveling the mysteries of love and helping to understand how God works in marriage and within couples but you just got to listen to these people speak you know again Dr. Sandra is just very professional and <laughs> you hear her she just sounds like kind of like a queen and John always refers to her as his queen and then you hear him speak and you just feel like you're on the streets of New York listening to a street poet. It's really wonderful. So enjoy your time here. You're going to learn a lot, guaranteed, or your money back. So let's welcome John and Sandra Lowen. Hello, everyone. Here is Karina again for a new episode of the High Noon Podcast. And today we have such an incredible, incredible couple, Sandra and John Lowens. I don't know if you hear them, this is, but they are an amazing couple from the 1,800 couple. They have over 60 years of clinical experience between them and have addressed a wide range of family and couple issues from assisting couples and families in dealing with everyday miscommunication problems to helping to tackle trauma and predators issues. So today I invite them so we can talk about situation with a problem with in-laws. But first of all, I will lend themselves to present themselves, introduce themselves. So yeah, welcome, Sandra and John, Uncle John. Well, great to be here. And I'm a show off. I want to show off this beautiful woman <laughs> who is, the reason she's so beautiful is she's got a smile that she doesn't put on. It comes from her heart because oh. she knows she's loved, not just by God, but by you know who. And I'm so proud to be the cause of a beautiful woman's happiness or have something to do with it. And I feel bad for all my brothers out here who have not yet experienced that. So we want to help you to, be, to have that experience of being the most powerful man in the world that can put the icing on the completion of the completion. This is God's final piece of creation, woman. But the final piece of the creation is man understanding woman. And then this smile comes. And, and <laughs> that's the real power. I got it, brothers. You should have wow, to. so romantic. Oh, just true. <laughs> Can everyone feel the fire here? Oh my God. <laughs> Down to the glowing coals today. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so John is the love of my life. I care so much, so deeply for him. And he's really helped me appreciate my own life. And he talks about love and really. Your beauty is the mirror that you see in your spouse's eyes. Wow. It makes such an amazing thing. I get up in the morning, my hair is all over the place. I have no makeup on. I'm wearing my old pajamas. I stagger into the bathroom and he's in there and he goes, wow, you look beautiful today. <laughs> you know, I see as God sees me or you know, God might think, well, you could clean up a little bit, but you know, <laughs> God sees me every morning and I'm so grateful for God. Mm. the most wonderful guy that I met. 
Wow, so beautiful. So everyone listen to it. Like, yeah, they have their maybe like the studies and the experience, but beside everything of like helping others, they themselves represent an amazing couple that shows so much love within them. And Robert and I have the pleasure to be helped by them <laughs> in, the, in the beginning stage. And it was really a great foundation for our relationship right now and I think Robert learned so much from Uncle John because he does the same so <laughs> uh, so I thank you so much for being here and for always like having this heart of giving for people I think just excuse me for cutting in for very briefly I think you made a very important point that all the knowledge in the world doesn't mean much mm. if you don't have the experience I mean Lucifer know, knew more than all of us still knows more all of us but he doesn't know love so it's kind of pointless mm. so what I'm most proud of like I said is I've won the trust in the heart of a woman and you can't learn that in school there's no PhD programs mm. that steps into the realm of 5% responsibility, which we'll talk about later in dealing with in-laws and everything oh. connected to that. Yeah, I guess so. Really great point. So starting with this point about in-law, what about let's starting with the question, what makes this relationship unique? What makes the relationship between son and daughter-in-law with the mother-father-in-law? What is unique about this and why it's so challenging sometimes? Well, I'm going to be the expert on that. <laughs> so I've had some amazing experiences with my mom yeah. that mm. altered my destiny. And yeah. she'll share some of that. And I'll, right. I've got other things to share later as well. Well, every parent thinks that his child or her child is the most amazing person on earth. That's almost mm. always, unless you were in bitter battles with your parents. So when I met John, he's the younger son mm. and therefore the one that they spoiled and loved and, you know, whatever other emotions were going on there. A lot of times, especially women want to make their sons their little husbands, as I call it, mm. so that the son is whatever frustration they're feeling in their husband often. Mm. So the mom is wants to be very close to the son and no woman in the world is good enough for him. And mm. that's what a lot of moms think. So knowing this, when I met John's mother, of course, she immediately wanted to dominate the relationship. And I remember she took my hand in a very uncomfortable way and she's walking. Mm. And a lot of my thought would have been, well, I should endure this comfort because she's the mother-in-law. But I thought, no, if I do that, then I'll be uncomfortable all my life. So I mm. turned my hand so it was more comfortable. And I think it surprised her that I was not going to let her be dominant in that way. When I would go to visit John because his dad loved him so much and his father, people don't necessarily know this, but his father was a, how did, could I describe his position? Well, he with was the, the, with the model. He was everything. the founding dean of New York State Graduate School for Computer Science. Wow. He was a pure intellectual who really thought deeply about a number of things. And he wrote a book that was an upgrade on Carl Jung's personality types that was very profound. And I studied with my dad quite a bit. And some of mm. the MBTI things that you all use many times when you're doing the matching process. His dad was an expert on that and enlarged on that. So he would take John to his office and often I was left there with the mother-in-law. 
And mm. thank you, baby. You're welcome. <laughs> I did it. For you. <laughs> and so we began to forge a relationship that became closer and closer. We are diametrically different people. I'm very religious. She is very atheistic. And of course, our social backgrounds and all of those things were quite different. But we found that we could talked a lot. A lot I listened to her and I asked her mm. about her background and what was going on in your life and what were you like when you were my age? How did you feel when you married your husband? And so on. So that I could get some things from her. And also when there were situations in their family and John can tell you about them. You know, I could talk about the bar mitzvah thing. Sure. Just before mm, I want to just add something before mm. Sandra talks about the bar mitzvah. Sandra certainly was a powerful listener, but she also let it be known that respect was going to be in the house and when she started talking about moon and this my mother didn't attack her or she didn't become an apologist but she just got real straight and real and says what do you know about reverend moon so my mother who is used to being you know she has her own circle of friends i mean as human beings we usually our circle of friends are people we are comfortable with which is another way of saying we don't get too many challenges so a lot of times we're stuck we don't really grow though we're comfortable and she wasn't used to people like sandra who was very respectful but also demands respect if you so when my mother crossed the line she found out very quickly like you're not going to just make your opinion the law here on the one hand a great listener on the other hand very direct with my mother what do you actually know about reverend moon the opinions you have and that i think that changed the dance with you and my it mother very much did because she became more respectful because i could stand for myself and not just accept her opinion and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. So I know that there are people that have different experiences in our movement. Some, the parents are very enthusiastic about the movement. Some, maybe even the parents are no longer connected directly to the movement. But stating your purpose and your ideas respectfully, but also in a way that lets them know, oh, this is what I feel, this is what I believe, and we can discuss it, but we're not going to make just blanket statements about anything. So I looked at two experiences that I had with John's mother that involved John's mother. The first, John did not have a bar mitzvah when he was 12 years old, because their family's Jewish. And usually when you're 12 years old, the boy gets is declared to be a man. Mm. And he goes through that very special ceremony of that rite of passage of recognition within the Jewish community. But John did not have that. And there's a long story about how I wrote a book. We'll talk about that another time. But Let me um, just give him a quick little background. My father came of age in Nazi Germany mm. and escaped the Holocaust by 10 minutes. And he was traumatized his whole life. I mean, he escaped Nazi Germany, but he brought the Holocaust spiritually and emotionally with him. Mm. So he was trying to separate from his trauma. So he was so upset the way he was treated and that there was nothing he could do about it. He said, I'll be doggone if my kids go through this. So I was raised not knowing I was Jewish. And my mm. mother, when she married my father, they decided that what good came out of being Jewish from their perspective. But my mm. mother was sexually abused by the rabbi. Okay, as a young girl. As a young girl. And they, no one took a stand for her because they didn't want the rabbi to look bad. So their feeling was, what's so great about being Jewish? If one, it'll get you killed too. She was also disowned by her family. So mm. their feeling was good riddance. And I was raised not knowing I was Jewish, but it created an emotional and spiritual void that even I was not aware of. Enter my Messiah. And now you can start from there. <laughs> 
Right. So I told John I thought it would be good for him to understand his character by really going and finding his Jewish roots. So at the age of 40, he received the bar mitzvah. And of course, we invited everybody to come, but we didn't think that many people would show up. So we then asked our rabbi to invite people from the congregation to come. And the reason Sandra correctly stated that we didn't think that many people would come because my mother's family hadn't spoken to my mother since they disowned her when she left the Jewish faith. Right. So mm. she was in her 20s. Now John was 40, so she was probably in her late 60s at that time. And so we are at this service and the temple was packed with people. Only one relative of his was actually speaking to him at that time. And we invited her and of course she came, but the temple was packed. And I said to the rabbi, oh, I'm so happy that you invited so many people. And he said, I don't know who these people are. So we had the service. There's one part in the service where someone is asked to come up and support the new man in the community, which was John. And so the rabbi asks, who is here to support this new Jewish man? And half the men in the congregation got up and stood behind him. Well, this was a great shock to us because again, we still didn't know who all of them were. But as we got ready to walk out of the service and go to the refreshment hall, these people made a line and John's parents walked through this line and she recognized them because they were her brothers and her sisters and her aunts and her uncles cousins, that had not talked children. to cousins and their cousins' children, all people she had not seen for over 40 years. Here is the situation because she was declared dead by her family back when she was 20. And they actually had a funeral for her. Oh and my gosh. Because they said, you know, you're kicked out of the Jewish faith, so you're dead. You don't exist anymore. But she had a son that was Jewish. Who became Jewish. Who became Jewish. And he became Jewish after the time that she had been kicked out. So he could not be Jewish without a mother who was Jewish. Therefore, she was Jewish, related to them, and they had to accept her back into the family. So they wow. took her person by person and said, oh, Sylvia, we thought you were dead, but you have a son and he's a Jewish son. So you must be alive. Welcome, welcome home. And they each embraced her. Everyone came to embrace her in this beautiful moment in her life. So really, as her daughter-in-law, trying to do what I thought was good for my spouse, I did mm. something good for their whole family. Mm. And at the end of her life, just before she was getting ready to go to a nursing home, then we were in the kitchen washing dishes and she came over and took both my hands and she looked in my eyes and she said, you know, I've been an atheist all my life and I don't know if there is God or not. But if there is God, he brought you to our family. Wow. And so beautiful. That's what we can do for each mm. other's families. That's that's the real power of being a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law is that you restore not only your own family, but even people that you have no idea because those people could be in touch with her for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I feel that they were the better for it. And we were always close. And I think that's what I would say about being an in-law is that you sometimes I refer to in loves mm. you're, you're an in-law but actually you love that person so my daughter-in-law becomes my daughter in love it's that kind of thing so just to be mm. close and to understand each other you really do become one family well mm. as I said in the beginning Sandra was an extraordinary human being 
And the reason I feel the way I do is that she calmed the tortured ancestors who tortured me. Mm. We're looking for a way out of this brutal understanding of God, you know, that you have to follow the law or you're dead. Because kind of mm. father talked about my ancestors and said, he wasn't just talking about my ancestors, but the Jewish people at the time of Jesus said, well, we followed all the rules. We were, no one was more obedient than us. We crossed all the I- T's and dotted all the I's, but we didn't understand that. See, so Sandra mm. understands love. So sometimes she's a lion. Mm. Sometimes she's a lamb. You know, we are hardwired to be male or female. You know, I have male Mm. equipment, but my father didn't give birth to me out on the battlefield. He didn't pray to Zeus, and I came out of his sword. Mm. Half of me came from my mother. So hardwired as a man, but I'm half created by my mother representing the feminine inside of God and my father representing the masculine inside. So Sandra is a warrior who let my mother know, you're not going to mess with me because in a battle, I will cut you to ribbons. Because I know who I am better than you know who you are. So the battle for men is is really about the first blessing in terms of my understanding. And I'm going to bring this all connected into in-laws in just a moment. But, you know, basically, we're talking about the blessing here. We're really talking about the second blessing. God gave three blessings to be fruitful, to multiply, and to take dominion. And they're all related. Mm. So I think the first blessing, at least from the Jewish perspective, the mystical Jewish perspective, the first blessing is the realm of men to figure out who you are. And that's a brutal battle. Mm. And Father, he went through that brutal battle. When he discovered divine principle, God didn't just give him pass and say, oh, son, I'm so grateful for this journey. God denied him. God tested him and said, this is garbage. Twice he did that. On the third time, Father, Sandra had to stand up to my in-law. And that took something. She had to stand up to my cynical Jewish ancestors who had all kinds of resentment for all kinds of insane things that happened throughout history, including the Holocaust, right? But love is stronger than all of that is what it comes down to. But father, he didn't just have to stand up to his in-laws. Father had to stand up to God and say, I asked for your blessing to anoint the divine principle two times, but I didn't come to ask you this time. I'm coming here to tell you this is the truth with which I will save the world. So with you or with, with or without your help. And then God said, oh, I see I have a son. My point is this. You know, we talk a lot about filial piety, and it's mm. very important. But filial piety to God and filial piety to our in-laws or even our own parents are two very different things because mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. God, they're not fighting over who's treating who right, right? Mm-hmm. Mrs. God is not telling the, her husband that, oh, I got a headache tonight. Let's not get intimate. They've worked their stuff out. So when we get loved by God, it's the unified masculine and feminine together. Most of us have never experienced that. Mm-hmm. I've experienced my dad's love and I experienced my mom's love, but I haven't experienced the love of my mom and dad as one. So I'm psychotic. There's two Johns, right? Mm. So this is the issue that we have to become whole. Everything goes through three generations. So our generation, for the most part, just when it, like it says, Abraham fell asleep at the time of the offering. That means symbolically he was unconscious. A lot of our first generation, I hate to say it, but we were asleep, meaning we didn't understand fully the blessing. We think we were successful because we didn't leave. Mm. The purpose of the blessing is not just so you can say, I can't stand being with you, but I stayed anyway. <laughs> In terms of mm. in-laws, the point that I want to make is that 
you got to check how happy is the couple of your parents Mm. and the couple of your in-laws because if they are really happy and owners of love they're not going to be causing problems in your world most of the problems come from that they feel some embarrassment or shame that they've been unconscious about what the purpose of the blessing was and i'm grateful for them holding on but the blessing is much, 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 much more than just holding on. Mm. So, so my point is you need to do an assessment and know that it's not just filial piety. It's filial piety to the purpose of the blessing. And maybe your couple will redeem the unconsciousness of your parents or your in-laws. Sometimes mm. it's that way. Sandra described the beauty of when it really works. Some people are tortured by their in-laws or even their own parents. And we need to speak a voice of inspiration for those people because just talking about the ideal is not going to get it done for them. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much. I feel we, we touched everything. And I'm like, hey, if you do things, not like to feel right, but your circumstances that everyone is willing to accept the help, you can get to here. And so I think the example is like the potential that a good relationship between a in law and their parents in law can have, isn't it? So I think that is amazing. So let's think about a woman, a wife who is struggling with their in laws. Where should we, her first step? Like, she doesn't have the maturity that Sandra had back then. She's like an insecure woman, just starting. She lived all her life thinking that she needs to follow everything that they still telling her. And like now, suddenly, she's married and she loves her husband. But the situation with their in-laws is affecting in their relationship. What should be her first step? Well, the first thing for any couple to realize is that their primary loyalty is to each other. Mm. So, you know, I didn't marry my dad. I married John. I didn't mm. marry my brothers or the central figure or any of those people. I married John. And John is the one who is the other half of me. Mm. And it's we too that get together and reflect God's image like a mirror. So if I'm trying to put someone else in that position, that strong position, then that's not, I'm out of integrity with God. Because no matter how wonderful my central figure is, when he comes and he's with me, I'm not really reflecting God. I'm reflecting half of my couple and he's reflecting half of his couple, I hope, you know. So therefore, I need, first of all, to recognize this is the bond. This is what is important. So I know that sometimes husband or wife is thinking, oh, well, you know, my dad feels this way or my dad feels that way. And I have to support my dad. But actually, the one you have to support, unless there's really something that's off base, is your spouse. There comes a point when, as parents ourselves, we can give our opinion. We can give advice if it's asked for. But mm -hmm. for me to go to my son's house and say, oh, you know, this blue wall should be red or this orange tablecloth should be brown. That's not really our ideal. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes the responsibility of parents to realize their role changes once there mm -hmm. is a spouse the picture now what if the spouse if the parent doesn't realize that then the son or daughter needs in a very respectful way to say dad i love you i know you want the best for me sally and i have decided we're going to move to missouri and that's our decision we really want your blessing to do that 
rather than just saying, oh, well, I don't know, mom and dad don't really want us to go here or there or whatever. And certainly it's fine to hear the objection of the other parent. Mm. But sometimes people, you know, I've seen in-laws or had situations in which in-laws pull the child away to the side and go, you really don't want to move to Missouri, do you? You really don't want to leave us here in Kansas. We'll be all lonely and everything will miss you. That's not godly. It's really not godly. If there's some reason why you shouldn't go to Missouri, you know, he's wanted in Missouri and will go to jail or something horrible. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. But if there is really, once the couple has made a decision, that decision should have a certain finality. Mm -hmm. But husband and wife need to be inseparable. What you'll find when you get further down the line is that even your children will try to separate you. You know, so it'll be, mommy, can I have, can I go to play at Billy's house? No, you can't go to Billy's house. Daddy, and they will do that. That's why husband and wife need to start out at the very beginning, learning that. John really set a good standard with our family in which he would say to our son, this or that, you know, your mom and I will talk. Well, he would put me on the spot and mm-hmm. I'd say, no, 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 that's not your place. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to consider it. Your mother and I will meet with you not being here. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And we'll work it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes your children will go to your in-laws and mm-hmm. they will try to make a deal with the in-laws. That's why mom and dad need to be so close that nothing can separate them. And that mm. starts in the couple. So that when you get into mom and dad who love you and they're, oh, you poor thing. Little Billy wants to go play in the at over at, at the Joneses' house. And I don't see what's wrong with it. Well, mom, dad, I told him you can't go. And it mm. really has to be that. And our, John did that a lot with our in-laws because they kind of wanted to play their little game of let's see if we can kind of mess with this and it was okay it worked out well but a good parent will do his best to support his son and daughter and if they cross over the line it's okay to say you know you're a little over the line here i think it really has to do with a real understanding of divine principle Because there's the experience that our generation had in the movement in the beginning. We were not in the roles of sons and daughters of God who received the blessing. We were soldiers on a battlefield. Soldiers are servants, so they do whatever the king tells them to do. We got to look at the ultimate source. Why did God create? God created through origin, division, union. Why? So that man and woman can connect what God divided. So from God's point of view, just like all parents want their children to be better than them and pass everything on to them, when we, representing the world that God divided into masculine and feminine, when we as man and woman bring it back together, then God says, you're the same as me. You're more powerful than me. So the center of the cosmos is when man and woman become one. So if you, if you don't understand your authority in terms of the potential of your blessing, you're never going to be able to manage. And you can't help someone if you never got the victory yourself. So just like when the chosen people left Egypt in bondage to get to the promised land, they left maybe 600,000, but two of the original people actually made it into the promised land. So very few people, the promised land for us is being aware of the power and the authority of the blessing. 
don't just assume that your parents have it. It's good to be respectful and grateful for your parents, but how are they going to teach you to be one if they never became one? It's a very delicate thing. This just father didn't even let God do his thinking for him. He challenged God, but in the most respectful way. So all of us as men, we got to look at our parents and just like the Jewish priests divided the offering in half, there's part of what our parents have that we want to take and be grateful for. There's another part that you don't want to use because it's just the pain and the unfinished business that should not go into the next generation. It's very sensitive because you don't want to be resent. You want to be gratitude is the lens through which everything works. You got to be grateful to your parents, but even the human body, we eat food that something comes out the other end that the body can't use, right? So there's part of our parents' life that is in our bones, and there's a part that we can't use. It's our responsibility to figure out what that is. Mm, yeah, I think it is a great point. And, and I feel like the relationship with your parents and how you deal with your parents will show up in with your spouse, isn't it? It's going to have a big impact whenever you get married. It's like everything, if you have unresolved things, they're going to get even bigger, isn't it, in the process? Well, they'll, be, yeah. they'll be exposed. It inevitably has to come up. Sandra was far more mature mm. in understanding what was going on in her family. I was more like a child still looking up to my parents too, because it was too painful for me to look at. I didn't want to see the parts of my parents mm. that weren't together. So Unfortunately, when we're in that denial mode, we have a common base with Lucifer. The root of Lucifer was denial. He couldn't face things that he was feeling. So when I was in denial mode, guess who paid the price? I found things I didn't like in Sandra, but they weren't really legitimate things. It was just me not knowing how to manage the discomfort that growing up sometimes is so painful because you got to deal with the loss of your parents. That mm. when I was a little kid, I looked up to my parents, they were God to me. But there's another part of me saw like, oh, my God, I'm so disappointed. It is so painful. Wow. And Sandra really suffered a lot until mm. I became mature enough and courageous enough to deal with that. And I don't know, maybe that's for another talk where we can deal with that. But you got to figure out who's more adult in this context. Mm. And certainly I was more the teenager and I could put on a good game and look good. But Sandra was less confused, more clear. And until I sorted that out, uh, sometimes I allowed my parents to get in the middle of our business because I was unconsciously protecting them. I didn't want them to look bad, but they had a lot of unfinished business that didn't belong in our world. So Uncle John, what practical advice will you tell to a husband who were in your situation? like? Well, it's like this. There's a quote from Jesus who said, you want to be one with God who you can't see. You say you love God who you can't see, but you hate your brother and you expect God to love you. So as men, we want to make it work with women who were incapable of understanding, truth be told. But you can't <laughs> make it. You got to make relationships work with your brothers. So men together, we have to create a foundation of substance where we talk about the mystery, the challenge, the frustration of needing a woman. You can't live with her and you can't live without her. Right? Mm. Women are impossible. We're not going to say that publicly, but because I got a victory with this woman, I can share the inside story of what it is to be a knucklehead male. And we're born <laughs> that way. You, you got to have men you can be real with. 
Mm-hmm. And I think high noon, I made a great step in terms of talking about, yeah, we have sexual desires that are stronger than my will and all that other stuff. But we got a lot more going on beyond just we can't control our sexual organs. Sure. Before even that occurs, we got emotions and insecurities that were, we have a billion dollar advertising industry that is targeting us and exploiting all of our vulnerabilities and lying to us, telling mm. us you know, that denial is okay. So we got to find some brothers we can be real with to get the courage to deal with the power of women emotionally and sexually. Because women, you know, sex is just a kind of relationship and women love relationships, whether it's whatever it is, a mature woman who has not been damaged by her father or whatever. So we don't understand relationships because it's a little too scary for us. So with women, it's even scarier. So I think we got to find men who are willing to be real and go transcend competition. And I'm not saying, you know, there's two kinds of competition. One is I beat you and I stomp you into the ground and I kill you. Yeah, I'm the winner. But now I don't have anyone to be friends with because I killed my brothers. The other is I find out what I'm really good at and I dominate because I'm expressing who I truly am. Nobody can be better at being John Lowen than me. If so, if I'm expressing me, I will be the champion. But mm. it becomes an inspiration for other people to find out who they are, because you can only be king when you discover who you truly are. So I think as men, we need to support each other in discovering who we are, not following the rules, because being an obedient person is not going to help you deal with the scariness of dealing with a woman. You got to know who you are and have that validated by other men. I see you. I see you. And that's what Roberto and I, we did that dance show. We could do more. And you work out. (laughs) Yeah. As far as advice is concerned, I would just say, like I said, talk with your spouse. Look at yourself and how you feel about your spouse and his parents. Sometimes if let's say that somebody comes from a family that is very, what would you say, prominent, and maybe they are blessed with someone that is not so well known. Mm. So when they look at their family or the family is broken, somebody got divorced or somebody had a scandal or something like that. And now this is your spouse. So there is a tendency to feel maybe a little superior. Mm. But to recognize that we all have an area in which we do well. Mm. And every challenge is an opportunity. I'm often reminded in the movie Evan Almighty, little commercial here, Morgan Freeman is in the position of God. And the wife comes to him just talking, not realizing she's talking to God. And she says, I don't understand what's happening. I asked God to make our family close. But look, all of this trouble is coming around. And that character, Morgan Freeman, says to her, when I hear a prayer, let my family be close, I answer that prayer. But I answer that prayer by giving them a controversy around which they can become close. So I'm not Mm. just going to go, oof, and now you're close. How can you be close without something that, without a challenge that you go through together? Right. So Mm. many times the things that we are getting upset about, separating around, leaving each other for, cursing the in-laws and we never have to take the children there again, kinds of things are things that are a challenge, that are a learning curve for us or a learning platform for us to become closer than ever. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. if we went back and looked at our own in-laws 
I mean, we haven't even talked about my dad and John and how that went down because that was really exciting. But, you know, there are just so many things that are tests for us. I mean, examinations, I like to call them for us. And mm. if we pass the examination, even if we just pass with the 65, we get beyond and we take a step forward. Maybe like in the case of my mother-in-law, we solve an issue that has been an issue for a long time. Nobody knew how to help this poor lady who had no family. Mm. And sometimes, sometimes God has to bring, like Father says, God has to bring the firemen from outside. So we need to look at even the most humble person can make a big difference in our family. The in-laws are missing out if they don't embrace that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, two things. One, just a Jewish reference again. The temple was the center of Jewish life. And on the high holy days, the, there was high priest would enter into the holy of holies and utter God's name, which could only be uttered on that day. So we still have a temple, you know, because, mm. but the holy of holies is not for the high priest. The high priest now is the couple. Mm. So the priest couldn't bring anyone but himself. So when you step into the holy of holies, you can't bring any of your friends or your teddy bears or your report cards or your central figures who told you that we're going to miss you so much. You were such a great fundraiser or whatever. And in order to step into the Holy of Holies, you have to know who you are. And men and women are different. So what I would say to my brothers is don't waste your time trying to please a woman. You can't. Because women are the dwelling place of God, and women won't be happy until every cry on the planet is taken care of, right? So mm. that's a little big, too job, big of a job. So my job is to receive love from this woman. But the way it's going to be too scary because she actually has a real relationship with God. Women have a deeper relationship with God than men do because the God who created that masculine God who took the initiative in the creation, that's a plus, and this is a minus. So plus and minus come together, where plus and plus separate. So we're not going to experience the connection with God that women do. But what we do have is we can deal, we can make use of that being pushed outside and reflect on who am I? Because God buried a seed in the garden of my soul. It's not out there that's going to be obvious. I have to dig for it. So as men, we have to figure out who we are. Otherwise, love is going to be too scary. So, you know, we think of, I'm fear of rejection. No, we're not running from rejection. We're running from love because love is very scary. Because Sandra exposes that I don't really know who I am. And I got to figure that out with my brothers. Otherwise, I'm her child. And it's hard to make love to your mother. Ooh, no, <laughs> don't do that. Right? <laughs> wow, great point. We're brothers, we got to get together. We have... Brothers, we have work to do together, not to be fearless, but to be real with our fears and sit with our wounds and help each other heal instead of saying, ah, look at Mark, he's wounded, I'm not, baloney. We're all, it's part of the design to humble us. Mike Tyson, the awesome boxer, he said, men are not meant to be humble. Men are meant to be humbled. And when we get humbled, we're wounded. And that's part of being a man is owning our wounds. We all want hierarchy as men. We want to be the best guy, the top dog. In the realm where we're honest about our wounding, we're all equal. And until we experience that equality as men, we're not ready for this love. Wow. 
I think we could conclude in that tone. I think it was very, oof, a lot of information to digest. And I hope many men are watching and listening to this. But if you're a woman, please send that to your husband right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's so true. So true. And I'm so inspired. Thank you so much for making the time to share your wisdom. I'm going to give my last remark right in. Now that we know that we're going to have to say goodbye, you get to say your final thing as well. You know, gratitude is the most important thing. And our families, whether it's the in-laws mm. or the families we come from, it's such a blessing. And let's keep it real too. Whatever mm -hmm. great things that are happening in your life, if you trace it back, it comes from your family. Whatever problems you have, whatever conflicts you have, whatever unresolved issues, that too comes from your family. So we're here to make our families better by digesting what our parents and our ancestors couldn't do. Mm -hmm. So we're not here to criticize our parents. We're here to make our lineage better. And so we're going to have to reject some of what our parents offered and cherish the other parts. But we do it with gratitude and love. I would say that we all are gifted by God, is the greatest father-in-law, mother-in-law of all. And so as we love God, we can find the place to really love these other people under us who are trying to help us or don't know how to help us or want to be a part of us or think maybe they can give better advice. All of those things, if we can just look at, if I were in God's position in dealing with this, how would I handle it? And really knowing that I am bound eternally to my spouse, then how can I make this the richest, most wonderful relationship ever not to try to change him or go in league with my mother-in-law oh let's get johnny a different hairstyle let's get him to do this or that but really to sort through what is good for him and how do i make it work how do i get this man to get up every morning and turn around and look at me and smile what did i say last night that would support that when i talk to my mother-in-law or my father-in-law What really remains in their heart to see a beautiful daughter-in-law and feel secure about their son being in my care? Because that's really what we're doing is we are taking care of each other for the sake of our children. We take care of the children for the sake, really, of their grandparents. We take care of our in-laws for the sake of God. And when they get to the spirit world, they won't forget us and they will always look on our family with benign hope and inspiration. Wow. I hope you are trying I like want me. To thank <laughs> Karina, I want to thank you for loving your man because I feel the difference from Roberto when I met him and now. And I want to thank <laughs> you for that, for my brother to become a better man because that's very important. You are both glowing. <laughs> and I hope thank you. And my parting words are, you know how to find us. Oh, sure. Yeah, if everyone, anyone needs help or support or talk with someone, Uncle John and Sandra, they are amazing people to talk with. And I hope one day maybe I can share a little bit like what I have learned from them. But yeah, really, really amazing. So thank you so much, everyone. Listen to it. You know that you can reach out to us. We can reach out to them. And if you want a group of men, as Uncle John was saying, you can find it in High Noon as well. So don't forget to go to the our website and find your place there so thank you so much see you next time okay god bless bye, -bye. thank you hello 
Hello everybody, Andrew Love here, and I just wanted to add one more point. High Noon is a nonprofit organization, and we are run by donations. And although we've been doing okay thanks to the massive generosity of our founders, the Wolfenbergers, we want to expand higher, 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 higher. We want to make a global impact. We want to reach every family. We want to change the culture. And for that to happen, we're going to need a lot of volunteers and a lot of staff. That's just the reality. It takes money to travel. It takes money to do a lot of the things we do. And we want to let you be a part of this growth. And so what we've created is a donors club, which is a $10 a month club. And when you join, you get a t-shirt mailed to your door. You can get some exclusive content. And we also have some really good goodies for our tribe of people who are part of the donors club that we're going to talk about in the coming months so i just wanted to invite you to be one of these people everybody can afford ten dollars a month it's just a matter of whether it's a priority so if you feel high noon has impacted you positively or your family or somebody you know please consider donating i don't want you to give any money unless you really really want to but if you do want to i encourage you to really really donate so $10 a month is, I don't know, a cat a month. I don't know how to measure it. It's a giant hamburger and french fries a month that you can sacrifice in order to help this world become a more habitable, more enjoyable, more connected, more loving place. So please consider joining our Donors Club. It's just $10 a month. We look forward to seeing you on the inside of our secret society for donors. Have a good day, everybody.